Kamenetsky Brothers Podcast, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. It is uh, Monday? Monday, the 11th? 11th of June. I believe it's the 11th. Maybe the 12th. Smart pants. No, it's the 11th. Okay, but it's the 11th. But it's definitely June. Um, and uh, the finals are over, Andy. It didn't take long. Um, I, I I don't think they really even needed a play game for but they, I guess, had certainly. To. If you watch the Cavs, it seemed to be their opinion they didn't need to play game I, four. But this is this gets to it, and we'll we'll start here on on the finals because um, so much of how the finals happened is going to impact what goes on for uh, through free agency, obviously with LeBron, and they just it it wasn't fair. Like I was in my car when the starting lineups were announced on the ESPN radio broadcast, and I'm like. I mean, you know, Andy, that these teams are not equally matched. LeBron said as much after game or between game two and three or whatever it was. When you hear somebody say the names out loud, it really drives it home. Like in a list, it's yeah, I mean, just look, ridiculous. Kevin, Kevin Love, I, I think actually game four notwithstanding, was pretty quietly having a good finals. Yeah, it was over 21, 22 points, like 12 that. rebounds. He right, was doing, but, he was playing very well. But the drop off. After Kevin Love, for the rest of that starting five, and then you take into account that Kevin Love is, at best... He's the fifth best. I know what you're trying to say here. Yeah. He would be the fifth best player right. on the he's Warriors. The fi- he's the fifth best player on the Warriors, and he's LeBron's second best player. Right. So and if you, you start getting to like the third best, fourth <laughs> best... Who? Who? Who right. is it? Well, you know what? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Right. What matters is... None of them are considerably better than Iguodala or Livingston. Right. That's what actually matters. And so when you when you start ranking these things out, you know the 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 Cavs had the best player in LeBron, but Golden State had two, three, four, uh, and five, and two and three are Kevin Durant and Steph Curry. It's not like we're talking about some major gap between LeBron and these other like guys. The gap between say LeBron James, Paul George, future teammates. Correct or. LeBron James and Kevin Love as your number two, um, and then you have a debate as to whether or not who know, who seven is. I guess if you if you you know if Love is the sixth best player in the series, seven might be Iguodala. Yeah. So it's it literally nothing mattered. <laughs> like adjustments, um, you know. The, the, well, I mean, the look, strategy with. Nothing that type of like nihilistic ennui. You know, you and I were at a, a a watch event party for Game Four, and we were watching it with a former NBA player. And I'm not going to say who it was, but he observed that LeBron was checked out in Game Four. Like in his mind, and it seemed like a lot of people's mind, mine included, LeBron did not look fully engaged in that game because he seemed like a guy that knew. None of this matters. Yeah, it's like nothing I do matter. Even even if I manage to propel this. To a game five, it doesn't. But it's matter, and it's the kind of it's the kind of doesn't matter because last year they did manage to kind of rise up and win a game. I I feel like this year, it's the kind of doesn't matter where you know you just know that it, the only way we win is if the like I'm not talking about the series. I'm talking about a game. Is essentially if the other guys. Just don't 
pay attention. Yeah. Like we have no control over our fate. So why do I want to get on an airplane? Well, the difference too is and, also and and do this in game five. Last year the Cavs got that one game though, but the difference also is they're defending a title. So right. It's a, it's a mentality that's different. Right. You don't even, want to be swept even, out. Right. right. Even if you know that it's a completely uphill and unwinnable, unwinnable battle, you still don't want to get swept from your own champion. Well, I put this I I put this question to you there and I thought it was an interesting one. Let's say going into game 4 that every Cavs win from that point on would be worth 2. Mm-hmm. So if they win game 4, the series would now be 3 to 2. They go back for game 5 at Golden State um and if they win game 5, they win the series. It's 4-3. Like they get credit for two wins for every win. It's a bogo. I would, st- I still would only give like a fifteen percent chance of winning. Because no, at that point, at that point, the Warriors are going to say, "Okay." Right. We Assuming are tr- the Warriors were told about the rule, right? <laughs> if they weren't, then maybe Golden, yeah, then maybe the, the Cleveland War- sneaks in just because the Golden said, "Well, we didn't know that." Right, but but assuming though that the Warriors know those rules, they're going to be more right. They'll just engaged. win. They're, right. They're, they have they have a tendency. And we saw it during the playoffs. We certainly saw it during the regular season. And even during the finals, to not be completely engaged with what's going on because they know how damn good they are. Like, example, Steph Curry heading into game three, where he did not play well at all. He's one of 10 from behind the arc. He was three of 16, I think, from the field. Curry was playing golf in between games two and three. And there were, you know, pictures of him on a golf course. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Right. Saying, or even a correlation between sure. playing golf and shooting no, poorly, because I'm sure there are right. nights where he plays golf and does well. All I'm saying is the optics of that, if you lose that game and you play like Curry played, are terrible. And Curry will play that game knowing there's no way in hell I'm going to lose, even if, let's say, hypothetically, I was 1 of 10 from behind the arc and 3 of 16 from the yeah, field. They, we'll be fine. It doesn't matter. They're, they're, no. They are, they are Inigo Montoya before he reveals that he is also not left-handed. You know, I mean, it's like... it, And so, th- like, how good the Warriors are, I think, is revealed in the fact that it's almost impossible every year to pick out who's going to be the MVP. You know, whereas in a normal team, there's going to be a hierarchy of who can... Like, if this team is going to win the series, it means Star X, or at best, other Star X is going to have to have played well, otherwise they won't have won. With Golden State, I mean, Clay had a couple good games, some nondescript ones, and Durant wasn't great early. Had those, you know, was great at the end. Steph had a clunker in, in Game Three, right, and but yes. was pretty good otherwise. It's but it, it, they they don't need they need two guys a night to play well and and some decent, particularly against a team like Cleveland. And so um, we'll put Cleveland aside for a second and stick with Golden State here. What is this like? What do you do now? If you're the league, because on the one hand, the most recent thing that we saw was they mopped the floor with Cleveland. But Cleveland sucks. I mean, I think we can all agree that outside of LeBron, Cleveland is in close to a championship level team. Boston next year, you bring back Kyrie, Hayward's there, these other guys. I mean, like, that's a scary team. That might be a team that maybe could challenge Golden State. Um, Philadelphia, team. depending, Philadelphia, on, depending on who joins. Right. Them. And, you know, where LeBron goes and all that kind of stuff. But, like there's gonna be this thing that Golden State, you know, you, you're gonna have to beat these guys. The flip side is they were down in Game Seven. You know, they they had there there was an opportunity even for a Houston team without Chris Paul to beat them. Like they had two, you know two chances to eliminate. If Paul plays, maybe they win that series. You know, flip side, Iguodala plays, 
they, you know, I think a lot of it just depends. I mean, to, to answer your question, a lot of it just depends on how, how close to the fire are they willing to play? You know, I mean, like how much fire are they willing to play with along the way towards a championship? Because mm-hmm. I don't care how good you are. If you're, if you're too cocky and not willing to really put in all the steps that are necessary and more steps are necessary against some teams than others, but you're, you are, you're going to end up against at least one legitimately good team, one legitimately threatening team. Every Dur- time. Yeah, right. during the playoffs. One, at, at least, least one. Maybe two, maybe and, three. And, but. you know, they saw that with Houston. And, and had Chris Paul been available for Game 6 and Game 7, Rockets might have won. Right, and you could say, oh, if Iguodala was available, well, sure, but if Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love were available well, but three, the diff- but Right, but the every difference, though, is... But the point is, every year, right, someone is sure, missing. But I was going to say, though, the, the difference between... The, the Golden State Warriors with their big four should have more of a gap than yes. you know than the Rockets have to make up for without Chris Paul. No question. So, and, I mean, and there's like, a difference between Iguodala the, and Chris Paul. Right. I mean, the, frankly, the Warriors should be able to compete without Andre Iguodala, great as he is for them, and still win a championship. Well, we saw this with the Lakers. I mean, it's, it, is, it is very difficult to get a team to the finals that many years in a row. The Lakers just... You... you the internal churn of it starts to just wear. And, you know, the, all these guys are saying, like, there was, you don't know the half of what was going on inside the locker room. And there were plenty of stories about how the Kerr wasn't reaching them, they didn't care, and, and all this other stuff. And so, if there really genuinely is a whole other half of things that we don't know about, then it was even harder than we're giving them credit for. But this is, we have this debate all the time about, like, how do you, do you try to time it? Or do you just, get good and because you don't know what's going to happen and I'm 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 more the latter at some point if if getting to the finals is is built around the collective unit doing it it gets harder and harder and harder every year it's to some degree the benefit of how lebron's been able to do it, or you know in a lot of ways it just matters if lebron wants to get to the finals that's kind of the only thing like he doesn't necessarily have to drag you know make sure every, the rest of the team is is always coordinated it's like, do I want to go or don't I? And for eight years in a row, he has. But the Warriors, despite all that talent, seem to still have to do it as a unit. Well, I mean, that's so maybe the unit breaks down. I, I thought them beating Houston was bad for Houston because I don't know if the Rockets, short of LeBron, can come back next year and expect a better result than they got this year. Maybe they can. Um, but it's good for the rest of the league because it means the Warriors are going to be that much more complacent. Whereas if they lose, the Warriors come back next year and probably the year following and beat the crap out of everyone. Yeah, I mean, the the Warriors, I think, need somebody, not literally Carmelo Anthony, but somebody like, somebody like Melo who has stature but has never won a championship, like a new face in that crowd, the same way like the Lakers in 2010. It was valuable. But Chess was right. Not Carmelo. No, not Melo. But Definitely not like Carmelo. What, what Meta did for that team in 2010. And Meta was literally... David the, West. They need right. another David West. Meta was the only guy on that team in 2010 who did not have a ring or didn't have multiple rings. And, you know, the, we, we covered that team. Meta worked so damn hard not to be the guy that prevented it from mm-hmm. happening. And it rubs off. I yes. Mean, it's... it's, it's it's a tweak. It's another. And this is if there is a flaw in Golden State. I don't think there is, but if there is, I mean, the bench is thin, it's a quote blah, blah, blah. flaw. It it may be that their top four is too good. That it, it they're the, that they're so good at the top of their lineup 
that there isn't that adjustment where you can trade one guy out and bring in, that they don't have a need with a free agent that they can they can swap out for a different guy to do what you're talking about and change up the the look to where Clay's free agent we're going to organize a sign and trade so we get Paul George to replace Clay and now we have a different dynamic we have something different to focus on a challenge of hey if we're going to get where we need to go we've got to integrate Paul George instead of Clay that said, the, the the level to which these are first world problems in the NBA is so comical that I don't think it matters. And, and as long as Joe Lacob is willing to pay these guys, and for the time being, he seems to be willing to do it. You know, Ramona Shelburne's article, um, you know, can reveal that after the finals. And these guys are willing to play in a system where there's always going to be the question of who gets who's really the, the engine. I don't know what else you do. Well, I, but that actually, though, leads to what at least some people speculate is a potential I complication. With, I did that on purpose. Mm-hmm, <laughs> with Kevin Durant. And, you know, he's now his second straight finals MVP, second straight championship. And he told Rachel Nichols of the jump that he is going to be re-signing with the Warriors. And he's said basically the same thing to Sam Amick with USA Today. And, you know, while he's thrown out a little bit of you never know, you know, you Strange things happen in the NBA. He's going it, back to gold. Yes. Um, it's really a question of for how many years, how the contract's set up, et cetera. But there is this open question with Durant of satisfaction and validation that he feels about this, but also that he recognizes other people aren't giving him with the way he went about becoming a champion. It's funny because... And Michael Lee, who is a great writer uh, at Yahoo, yep. has a story, and you know we'll try maybe we'll try to tweet it out or something like that. But if you haven't read it, it's a, it's just it, it's it's a great sit down with Durant and goes through this thing with him where the criticism that has come of Durant is that he's done it the quote unquote easy way, and Durant defends himself. It's harder to be a great player on a great team um, than it is to be the guy carrying all the weight, you know, because. In his mind, you have to be that much better to shine with Steph Curry drama. It's I'm not buying what he's saying. Well, no, it's an it's it's, it's an, an interesting way to frame it, but it's not because it depends on how you define being good. Like, are you right. talking about are you talking about playing well? Or are you talking about the recognition? And again, it gets back to what Durant seems to be wrestling with, which is the recognition and the validation, because it's obviously in some ways easier to be great. When all five defenders on the there's team a, aren't focused, right, there's on a you. reason Durant can shoot 59 percent or whatever with the Warriors easier than he could with with Oklahoma City or any other team. It's because you can't double him like any normal team would because you're leaving Clay open, you're leaving Draymond open, you're leaving Steph open. He just he get he gets to do things in a way that is impossible on another team. But the flip side of that is you have to sublimate your ego in a way of being a good team and of being dominant and all these other things and and be willing to live with the criticism get a little better at it, of people looking at you say well of course you won with that you know you would be the you know you you suck if you can't win that and there's a risk if you if, if they lose Durant's going to get hammered there's just not that bigger risk that they're going to lose. <laughs> it's it's kind of finger quotes risk, right? I mean, it's it, it it's it, it, it. There's not that big of a risk to it. It's not it's as like safe the same as risk that like my wife takes 
you know, allowing me to hit on Charlize Theron. Yes. But there's always a risk. She might go home with you. Charlize might end up in bed, but. but probably not. No, she's not. Ta- <laughs> my wife is not taking a big risk there. Probably it's not. It's a risk, but not a big risk. So I, I he it's, it's a, far less of a risk than Charlize would take right. getting in bed. And with so it was, <laughs> that's that's just a risk to her reputation. It's a risk to everything. I hope it's just a risk to her reputation. <laughs> it is just a risk to her reputation. Okay, good. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> well, I don't want to get too, I don't get too detailed into what it could mean. I just mean she. I I just feel like she's going to walk away from that feeling like my time could have been spent better. Well, I think that's a guarantee. <laughs> with all the with all the options I have in the world, my time could have been spent that is without question tender as you might be (laughs) are you i mean don't get me wrong was he a tender lover Charlize? don't get me wrong there's always a chance she could say that while my options were better and my time could have been spent better Still a little better than I expected. You know what? However, you know what you what you what you hope is. It's like when you when you you when you travel and you're driving somewhere and it's like you have one option to eat. You're really hungry. You, you, you don't like the look of the restaurant. You don't like anything about it. And you leave and you say to yourself, "That was better than I expected." <laughs> Your expectations were low. Right. Better than I expected. Anywho. Um, <laughs> Up next, Charlie's there. <laughs> Not sure how we got here. So just ruin our our chances for an exclusive interview with Tully. <laughs> so you you know, you have this situation. What I think is fascinating about this Durant thing is, you know, on the one hand, it's a little stupid. Like we all know how good Kevin Durant is. Like he was Kevin Durant before he got to. Uh, to to Golden State. It's not like he suddenly got good when he got there, and we're like, oh well, is he really capable of being the guy? He's Kevin Durant. He's capable of being the guy. A lot of this becomes it's first a referendum. Like, do you believe him when he says he doesn't care about what people say? No, no, I don't. no. We just saw evidence of this. Um, uh, TMZ. I don't. I think. I think it was, it was right. I think it was you. I don't think so. It doesn't matter. But uh, T- uh, TMZ Sports <laughs> had, had a clip. <laughs> <It> was FaceTiming. <laughs> Stay away. Um, uh, Straining order. There was, there was a clip on TMZ Sports of the Warriors heading into their Cleveland hotel after going up 3-0, the game that Durant right. played out of his mind. He was he unbelievable. 43-13-7. And there are all the people there yelling, KD, KD. Right. And some, some guy, in you hear some Yahoo yell – Heckling KD, and he says K, uh, UT is butt, like referring to. Now there's some Texas. controversy about that. Some people say uh, it was UT is butt. Other people, I heard, you're a cheese butt. Well, either way, either way, <laughs> these are both pretty relatively tame uh, pieces of heckling. You know, you hear I would like agree. you suck. You hear like LeBron's going to yam on you. Again, these are these are all unless you think sports heckling just shouldn't exist. You know, there's no racial slurs. There's no going at his family. Right. There's or you think that guy's heckling was so bad he deserved to be right? But there's there's criticized. nothing out of bounds. Durant actually turns around and has to be lightly restrained from at least taking a step or two towards this guy. Right. Again, I remind you, this is after a game where the Warriors went up three nothing, and Durant had maybe the best game of his career. If his response is anything other than "bruh." <laughs> Did you just so, see what just happened? Do you want me to buy you a beer? Like then, then he's got his rabbit right. ears are too big, and so I, I, I think he's working on it. I think he's trying. But the what's what I think is is really interesting about it is he's right. Sports 
are unique in the sense that, first of all, for our amusement, for our entertainment, we demand struggle. We demand people do things in the hardest way possible so that we can be entertained in part by telling that person that they're not good enough. So that's a weird thing. If I want to be a Supreme Court justice, nobody tells me I have to go to the worst law firm in the world and work my way up that way and try to get recognized. Suffering, like th- that role of, of, of expecting athletes to suffer is, is unique to sports, totally unnecessary. And Durant is right in looking at it and say, hey, why wouldn't I go somewhere where I had the best chance of success, where they have a system that works great for me, where they play in a way that suits. Well, he, was, he was bucking up against the system, though, in a lot of, in a lot of the playoffs and a lot of the finals. He sure. was playing outside but, that system. They I'm just all, saying it's just interesting. They all do just, that. But, like, but, the, but Durant was doing it in a way that could be disruptive and – I'm just saying. It was I think, but I, overall, I think. I think overall, whether he always follows it, he's bought into that ethic sure, I'm that just they're saying trying to do. Push that. and pull there. Sure. That's all I'm saying. I think that happens with with any great player in 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 these types of situations. But you know, why wouldn't I put myself in the environment that that suits me, that makes me happy, and all that? Particularly if the only reason I wouldn't is so that you will give my ultimate achievement more validation, but more than likely you, meaning the rest of us, will move the goalposts so that it doesn't count anyway. Yeah. The goalposts- I, I don't get it. I mean, he's right. And so, but I'm not sure he, I'm not sure he totally believes in his right. I'll tell you what it reminds me of right now, that, that Durant could learn a lot from watching LeBron, you know, who he's, LeBron, when he first joined the Heat, that you know, and the Heat became instant villains. That first year, LeBron leaned, really leaned into wearing the black hat. Yes, and really leaned into playing like the the NBA version of the WWE heel, and he didn't like it. And it was obvious he didn't like it. LeBron, you know, I think LeBron has reached a place now where he doesn't care what you think of him. I think he, I think LeBron understands that the goalposts will always move. Right, exactly. I, I think and he's been so good. The only goalpost left is Jordan. Right, but I mean, like LeBron, and, and LeBron, I think, has been very smart over the last you know three or four years to recognize the only person that I need to satisfy with my legacy is me. Mm-hmm. Everybody else, double middle fingers, I don't care. But, the, you know, it took LeBron, like a, I think, like a year and change to finally recognize, like, I'm never going to make everybody happy, and I'm just going to have to accept what people think about the decisions that I made, you know, the literal decision. And he eventually evolved into, I think, more of a sympathetic figure, in part because Durant has taken this disliked baton from LeBron. But, you know, Durant, I think, ultimately just has to own it. Just to say, look, this is what I wanted to do. It's- and, and stop... Stop even subtly trying to defend it. It it is, and this goes back. And stop, you know. Stop this goes back to, with this media goes back to the Colangelo. But this goes back to the Colangelo thing, and obviously the sto- the context of that story has changed a lot. Um, and it turns out it was his wife doing this stuff, and, and Mrs. Eric Junior. Right. Um, but but when before we knew Why Eric, <laughs> before there's a guy, there's a kid on my my favorite kid on my my son's soccer team is named Gary. <laughs> and it's 
mostly just because I like you just don't meet a lot of eight year olds named Gary anymore. And so he, I'm a huge fan. Eric is another one of those kinds of names. You just don't run into that much. Um, but what we were talking about it, like when I thought when people thought it really could have been Colangelo. Oh, my God. How could he do that? What? He's so stupid. You know, why, why do you care what other people? Are? It's so hard not to. And to get to a place where you can genuinely not care. Ramona wrote about this with Clay, who is apparently working real hard on this and is, is getting to that place, but also doesn't occupy the same space as Katie, LeBron, these other guys. It's so hard not to care. And it, it's really easy to sit there and be like, you know, you're Kevin Durant. You don't need to listen to cheese butt guy. And you don't. And, you know, we get heckled on Twitter and ignore it and have fun or whatever. But it's so hard to set that stuff aside. I'm not saying it. I'm, I'm, and I'm not I, saying that what I'm so, asking. So Dur- few people can. People talk about, well, Kobe doesn't care. BS. Kobe cared a lot. Kobe cared a lot. Kobe, Kobe still cares. No, he still cares. He's he- just masterful at cultivating a persona and an image so that the stuff that comes back to him is curated and done in a way that suits the thing that he's trying to create. No, he actually, I mean, he leans so far into it, he actually turned unlikability into his thing. It, which, and, is, which is amazing which isn't and to say hard he did, to do. Which isn't to say he doesn't, he cared as much at the end as he did at the beginning. Obviously not. He got more mature. He learned how to ignore more things. But, you know, you can tell by how much time and effort Kobe spent into cultivating his image and, and all that. He deeply cares about what how people perceive him and, and and who he is. No, look, I, I recognize that what what I'm saying Durant needs to do isn't easy. I'm just saying he needs to do it. Like he, yeah. he needs to find a way he needs to find a way to be one hundred percent comfortable with this. Because I don't think he is. I think he's trying and I think at times he looks like he's getting there, but he isn't a hundred percent comfortable with it. Yeah. And once you're Sorry, you once you're a hundred percent comfortable, then I think you'll find a way where if you want to challenge media narratives or if you want to take umbrage with a story or take umbrage with a heckler or whatever, you'll be able to do it in a way where you don't seem defensive or yeah. you or you don't seem like you're you're apologizing without apology. It's a matter I think of of understand of, of of doing a better job of filtering those things that you actually do want that you do care about and want people to think of you in a certain way from those things that you don't. And it's it's hard. Um the final. I, mean, I, I want Durant to figure this out because I think it sucks that he that that it clearly weighs on him and he doesn't get the same enjoyment from this that he should and that he's earned. I, I agree. I, I you know I I don't like watching it happen. Uh, the the other side of this was it was impossible to watch the finals and look at all of this happening and not think LeBron is done in Cleveland because there's no solution to that problem. The number eight pick either doesn't get you a star in the draft. Um, you know, I know they noted last year, you know, they, they were really close last year to trading for Kevin, uh, for, for Paul George and they were right there and Indiana pulled out. And I all that told kind of... them like a month before the Kyrie Irving trade that they should have gone Irving Paul straight up, Paul George straight up. But, you know, supposedly then. they were, but this was without giving up I Kyrie, got right? I think what? they were going to get George without giving up Kyrie, I thought. Uh, it was no. a Kyrie part of Kyrie was part of that deal. I, I, I said, no, right I'm saying the finals ended that they, they were close. My point Kyrie is they were close to getting Paul up. George. Right. Um, and so and they fired their GM who was working on the deal. Ramona's point there being stuff happens. You just, you know, you never know how resourceful you, but it doesn't seem like they have a lot of ammunition to get anything good there. 
Um, and they, the, the end result for LeBron is going to be he's not going to win. And they're so far away from Golden State. And there's, there, Houston would have beaten them in five, five or six. And Boston, a, a fully loaded say, Boston for, team, the West they don't teams, even get out of the conference. They're, they're starting to become further away from what Boston's going to right. become, what, what, what Philadelphia, Philadelphia could ascend to. Absolutely. You know, if, if Milwaukee could manage to get their act together the way people think they should, that becomes a difficult team for them to beat. So there's no good, there's no perfect option for him. Houston is seems like the best place where he could go and play with his buddies, and you bring back Chris Paul and play there. But getting him there is complicated. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care how good Daryl Morey is. Getting him to Houston is hard, and would require them to gut parts of their roster that helped make them successful this year. Philly is an odd match in the sense people say sometimes with. The, the disparity between the youth and the and and LeBron and the potential redundancy in terms of ball handling between Simmons and LeBron, I, I think, personally think they could figure it out. I was going to say I think both of those concerns are overstated. I mean, you know, you're talking about a team that got to the second round of the playoffs. I agree, and um, I think there are, there are ways that you could there are ways that you could have Ben Simmons play off ball that don't involve shooting, like getting right. him the ball on the move. You know, like figuring out ways that he can get the ball on the move to then give it up again. They'd be imperfect, but but I, I'd watch that. I'd be willing to give it a shot. Um, you know, you start going around to every team. You know, the Lakers are not fully formed, but have more flexibility than anybody to try to kind of tailor this thing to look in the way that LeBron does, wants it to look. And that last part of it is, I think, I think is is kind of fascinating. Like. This is the only market, I think, where, and I know you've mentioned this too, LeBron, almost no matter what he does, doesn't leave this city as a legend. It's going to take a lot. It's going to take, I mean, he wins three, he gets, he wins three titles, knocks off the Warriors, gets the the Lakers, past the Celtics, obviously. But, you know, short of, short of that. If LeBron wins, if LeBron wins one title, or certainly if he doesn't win any, you know, like he gets this team back to prominence in the sense that they can make deep playoff runs, you know, they get to the finals, but they don't win a championship. When it comes to what it takes to really match up to Laker greats of the past, LeBron just becomes a dude. There's like it's an in, it's an interesting chapter that LeBron right. was here, but he, in the grand scheme of things, he's just a dude. I'll ask you this: He comes here, doesn't win a title, makes two finals, doesn't win a title. Is a two-time MVP as a Laker. Does he get his jersey retired? Four years. He says he's played here four years. Two MVPs, no titles. I'm go- I'm going to say yes. Probably. I'm going to say yes for two reasons. One, that's not that much less than what Wilt did to get his jersey retired. Right. And you know, Wilt did I, win I'm, one. Wilt did win one, but he didn't get. I don't think uh, MVPs as a Laker. And I don't. Um, no, you want to hear so. And, I, don't want to, I don't want to get you sidetracked. Here. And also, too, you want to make sure that you are continually uh, making LeBron James and Rich Paul happy for the eventual period where you want to sign LeBron, LeBron Junior. Right, right. I was looking at Will Chamberlain's numbers <laughs> yesterday, kind of thinking about this topic. A couple things pointed out: the year he averaged um, twenty five and a half rebounds and fifty points a game, he somehow also managed to average. 48 and a half minutes per game, which means I don't think he ever left the floor, and they must have played like 10 overtime games, and he he averaged more 
time than the length of an actual game. I guess he didn't know how to close. No. <laughs> As, for all of his greatness. As a 36-year-old. He wasn't a fourth quarter guy. No. A year where he put up 50 and 25. 50 and 25. Not a fourth quarter guy. As, as a 40 as a 36-year-old in his final season in LA, he averaged almost 44 minutes a game. Tom Thibodeau would have loved Will Chamberlain. Yeah. For his career, he averaged like 44 minutes a game. That is insane. Yes, it is. I mean, <laughs> bonkers. And like, as disappointing as he kind of was as a Laker, he, you know, air quotes around it, he averaged, I think, 19 rebounds a game in, during his tenure in L.A. But I mean, but that's it, crazy. Yeah, but, get, but getting back to 48 and a half minutes a game. Maybe LeBron gets his number retired just, you know, because of who he is, what he could represent moving forward. He, you know, he but will it's a, be a Hall it's of a Famer. Different game, but, it's a different deal he, now, I think, than it was when Will got retired. He becomes a Hall of Famer, like, this is going to sound terrible to say, but he becomes a Hall of Famer in the way, like, or a Jersey retired guy, in the same way like a Jamal Wilkes is, who, like, obviously deserves it, but he's somebody that you have to think about. Like, wait, does Wilkes have his well, Jersey but, retired? Well, but Wilkes is an interesting analog because he's one of the only, he's obviously one of the great players of all time. Yes, as is LeBron. Right, but he's not... I mean, he's, he's not, got his jersey retired. He's not one of the great Lakers, of, of, the great Lakers of all time. He, nobody thinks of him that way. They put Magic in front of him, and Kobe, and Worthy, and Shaq, and all these people. Because those guys... West. Right. Those guys... LeBron would be the first guy to come oh, to L.A. you might put Powell in front of him. Maybe. because And I, that, that blends to this point. And you tell me if you agree. LeBron would show up. He'd be the first superstar... Since Wilt, you could at least make this argument. The, the, the only guy since Wilt... Who didn't need the Lakers at all? You know the Lakers can you know be winning a title with the Lakers and all this. It would enhance his legacy a little bit and all that. But if he comes here and doesn't win another title, he's still LeBron. If LeBron James. doesn't win, and this is what I think. We'll get back to where, what you're talking about. But this is what I think is interesting about whatever decision LeBron eventually makes. As much as he wants to put himself in the position to win, and winning will at least enter some part of the equation. I mean, Dwayne Wade recently said that he thinks. Lifestyle is going to end up, and lifestyle and family is going to end up being the yeah. Again, every option is imperfect, so maybe you pick the one where you have the happiest family, right? But the truth is, LeBron doesn't have to win anymore. Period. No, he doesn't. I mean, like he, you know, his teams need to be good enough that they're not embarrassing, right? And he needs to play well, right? But but LeBron doesn't have to win another because because like I said, the only the only hurdle left is the jordan thing and at least while the royal order of jordan gatekeepers is still in power he's not going to win that he's that's that's only solved by time where fewer people have seen jordan play more people saw lebron's brilliance and people put lebron in front in the same way eventually jordan eclipsed magic and bird and that, that kind of stuff go through the list Obviously, Magic elevated the Lakers, but he did that. The Lakers elevated Magic. He did that as a Laker. He had to, he had to you know make himself as a Laker worthy. Same thing. Shaq had been to a finals, but didn't win until he was a Laker. He needed to come here to get made. Well, the pressure was all on Shaq. Right. When he got here. Kobe spent twenty years in this uniform. And, you know, became a made guy as a Laker. West was, you know, of the Lakers. Laker Baylor lifer. of the Lakers. All these are the things. And so Wilt is really the only guy of all these Laker greats who arrived, show, arrived, man. He ro- arrived somewhat made. made. He had only won one. And right, people thought still, that was really disappointing. He'd sure, only he's won still once. a made man. He still had one. And he was in his 30s. 
He's the only guy who showed up that late in his career. LeBron is going to show up as a three-time champion, already 33, going to be 34 basically when the season starts, with a set legacy. And it makes the whole thing, you know, he doesn't need to the Lakers to enhance anything about him. And so I I think that's going to play. One of the things that makes I'm, I'm, it's cart ahead of the horse, obviously. I want to fast forward five years and look at what Lakers fans think of LeBron. Where is he in that? Do they embrace him in a way that I actually, I just don't think they will because this whole thing feels very transactional? Or is he pow? Is he a guy that as soon as, okay, great, he's winning for us and we'll take the championships or whatever. But always in the back of your mind with LeBron specifically, you resent the way that the the team had to kind of bend to him. The Lakers have never had to do that. You you know, all well all they did the, it all the time with Kobe, but he was their guy. He was their I mean, guy. They, they bent to Kobe all they did the time. it but but when Kobe said trade Bynum, trade this, trade this, you know, they ignored him a lot they, of times too. And so did. if LeBron comes here, presumably the Lakers are already are also agreeing to the stuff that he wants to do to this year. Yeah, ironically, group. they probably bent to Kobe more during the time when they didn't. Have to. They didn't have to, right? <laughs> but like when Kobe made demands, trade me. I mean, they, yes, they kicked the tires in the Chicago deal, and that could have happened or whatever. But you know, Detroit. I'm going to try all these. Places. But like they a lot. They a lot of times they just ignored him. Yeah, there's a lot of revisionist history, largely created by Kobe. That he started yelling and then everybody right, immediately they, uh, jumped to action. Right, and they they instantly traded for Pau Gasol and everything was going. No, no. they instantly brought in Derek Fisher right. and it was because they needed to replace Smush Parker. So, you know, it's if LeBron comes, the presumption is that they've, the, okay, well, we'll trade Brandon Ingram and do this and whoever it is that you want to do. And so, like, Lakers exceptionalism is both restored with LeBron coming because you just got the best player in basketball to believe again in, in your system in your greatness and your potential as an organization but at the same time you have to do it in a way that's kind of unlakery well it, it's interesting that you so say i just that, wonder how fans are going to react to it. it's interesting that you say you know lebron doesn't need the lakers and you are a hundred percent correct but the inverse isn't entirely equal but they the lakers don't need lebron in the same way that they seem to need him or i would say definitely needed him this time you know a year ago this time like, you know, a year ago this time, two years ago, Laker fans, and certainly the front office, were in a position of desperation oh, yeah. I agree to with bring that. in a guy like LeBron. Because at that point, you know, where they were missing playoffs, missing playoffs, you know, coaches were a revolving door. You know, what, what the hell are we going to do post-Kobe? LeBron represented validation for one of the Tiffany franchises in all of sports going through a rough period. You know, fast forward to June 11th, 2018, just a reminder to you of what the date is. Thank you. And obviously the Lakers need LeBron to take them to another level that they aren't currently capable of getting to as is. But they're not desperate anymore. And that's something, though, that I think fans have picked up on, you know, because they, they rightly see a lot of potential in the young core that they have. And everything that you know that they they suffered through to get to where they are right now, and they don't feel as desperate, to, you know, to cash in all of those chips for LeBron. Right. It gets the it, way they would have done, you know, no right. brainer two years it, it ago. It gets to even a year. It ago. gets to the, like this question. I want to come back to what we're talking about here because I think there's a, a difference between LeBron and Paul George in terms of reputationally, which one losing on which guy hurts the Lakers more. 
Um, but what you're talking about with LeBron gets to that Chris Paul thing that Mark Stein was talking about. Like, you know, uh, don't discount the idea, Mark Stein in the New York Times, don't discount the idea that CP3 and LeBron could reunite here. I don't, I don't know how well everybody would react to the idea of the price of LeBron, as good as CP is, is maxing out Chris Paul. Because you, LeBron is more, I, 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 yeah, I guess at some point he's going to turn into a human being again, but nobody has seen any sign of it. Chris Paul breaks down every year mm-hmm. and he's a brilliant player, but every year he breaks down. And I don't know the, the player who stops doing that as they get more into their 30s. Well, this is interesting, actually, because just like three or four months ago, we were going through Le- uh, LeBron hypotheticals and-, and linking him to clutch guys, and you were willing to give Nerlens Noel a contract if it meant LeBron. So, right, but Nerlens Noel doesn't cost me $35 million but gonna, a but year. But he was going to cost you a lot. I'm just saying. Me, it's, I, I, it's just am I willing to give Nerlens Noel, like... Five million dollars more than like what the rest of the market is per year. If it means LeBron, sure, but the market's not going to give him thirty five. No, my my point is wasn't it wasn't entirely to make fun of you. My my point was just like when you get closer to this stuff. I also like saying Nerlens Noel. You you, <laughs> you you start thinking about what it all actually means. Yeah, no question. Because like you know, again, Chris Paul is a great player, but he is complicated to bring at this age at that you know expected price. To to a team that once they get LeBron, the, you know their window to win both increases and de- decreases. Right. You just you don't want to be that team where like you you don't want to have. It's one thing to have Lou Aldang on your books when you suck. It's another thing to have thirty five million dollars or thirty six million dollars of Chris Paul when you just go into every year going, are we going to get forty games? I mean, you just is he going to break down in the playoffs? What do we do? And you have thirty five in and the cap's not going up in ways people thought. So I mean, that becomes an interesting question with LeBron. How much are you willing to change? And I agree with you; they're not as desperate as they used to be. Reputationally, I think you can make an argument that they need Paul George more than they need LeBron. LeBron rejecting the Lakers is a transactional thing. It's LeBron because it's it's. I'm sure. He, I mean, everybody likes it out here. I'm sure he appreciates the Lakers. LeBron is a basketball historian. Well, I would assume that he right. likes it here. He wouldn't have multiple. Homes He's got here. thousands of houses here. Um, like he's he, his own Zillow. He he doesn't not value the history and heritage of the Lakers. He just doesn't care about it in the same way that he cared about you know playing in Cleveland when he was younger. Like Cleveland means more to him. So LeBron coming here is transactional. It's mercenary. It's colder. And by the way, the team that would would potentially I think expectedly follow you know follow LeBron and, and become formed. Becomes even more Merc- mercenary. Sure. I mean, it becomes a really mercenary type. He's going to go where he thinks his family's going to be happiest and his chance to win. Philly is in the same bucket as L.A. It's in the same bucket as Houston. It's in the same bucket as Cleveland. And But Paul George, he could, there's an emotional component to this with George. He grew up here. He, or Palmdale, close enough. He, you know, has always loved the Lakers. He's always talked about playing for the Lakers. He wants to. He's openly talked about right. being interested in playing with the Lakers when he arrived in Oklahoma City. If you, this is where George can come and become that made guy. And, reti- and when George retires, he is thought of as a Laker. LeBron's going to be thought of as a as a Heat or a Cav. And this doesn't matter what he does here. If you lose out on George, it it hurts more, I think, in terms of that 
reputational rebuild. I mean, yeah, obviously, I depending on the no, I, I mean, I obviously circumstances, you know. I can see what you're but saying. But broadly, that one... There's will, a logic to that. that right. It sense. looks worse, I think, if you, can, if you can't convince the guy who's openly talked about coming here. the guy who needs it more. The guy who needs it more, the guy who's talked about it more, and all that kind of stuff. So LeBron's the better player. But I think it hurts more if you lose out on George than it does if you look at at, it. you miss out on LeBron. It's an interesting way of looking at it. To write this down. Write a story about this. Um, so... I mean, that, that, the, the whole dynamic is is fascinating. And, um, you know, so obviously we'll see what else is going on. Is there anything else on this topic you wanted to, to, to touch on? It's not like we're going to have uh, a shortage of opportunities I think to continue we can talking about I think we can definitely revisit uh, LeBron at least for one more podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Um, quick note, uh, I know both of us were saddened by the, the uh, suicide, the death of, of Anthony Bourdain last week. Um. The world was a far more interesting place with people – is a far more interesting place with people like him in it, well, in, thinkers like well, in, him in it. Well, I was going to say the world is a more interesting place with Anthony Bourdain in it, especially because he showed us the world. Right. And just, like he literally let you know how interesting the world is through his work and through yeah. his storytelling. There's a finite, I think, amount of those people in the world. It is a shame to lose any of them. Um, but – it's um, yeah. So that that's that one is is sad. It it obviously goes to show that you you don't know what's going on with people, but it 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 really is a reminder of how difficult that kind of talent often is, and the 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 trade off that comes with it. You know, we we make fun of somebody even like Kobe, and obviously the stakes are different. We're talking about, it, but. You know, Kobe has said, like, the the stuff that you do to be him, it's it's all trade offs. It's pathological. The things yeah. you give up. The the he is a weird guy. I remember wired uh, differently. I remember that. you and I were talking one time with one of Kobe's former teammates, and like this type of thing. Not going to say who, but we mentioned to him that Kobe had recently said in an interview that I think it was in a scrum. You and I were there. That you know that he's. Not really capable because of everything that goes on in his life and where his how self centered he is, lie and how, you know, self centered. I mean, in a bad way. Just no, he an is honest. He way. is self centered. Right. Everything you know. is driven to one goal: my goal of winning championships right. every and year. The, and Kobe said, "I'm not really capable of being a great friend." He's like, "I can be a good friend, you know, and if somebody really needs me for something, you know, I can be there." But by and large. He's I'm not, not that guy. I'm not going to be a great friend to people on a day-to-day basis because I put so much of my focus and my energy and my sweat into basketball, and then i got to leave something left over for my family and for my daughters, and I don't have much time for friendship. And this teammate said, you know, I, I'm glad to hear him say that out loud and admit it because being his friend, and this is somebody that loved playing with Kobe, mm-hmm. And I think considers Kobe to be a friend, and this is somebody that Kobe actually has a good relationship and respect. Well, I, but I was going to say has actually done acts of kindness towards, mm-hmm. like like real genuine kindness towards. But he said it's nice to hear Kobe vocalize this because being his friend could be very frustrating at times. Yeah, and so like just looking, not his teammate, but just his being friend. a friend. So like whether you're looking at somebody like Kobe, you know, and obviously again the trade offs are different and the the stakes are different, and the and the pathology apparently is different, and, you know. And and but 
so much when you it is unfortunate that great talent often seems to be accompanied with some kind of price some sort of sacrifice um in your the same thing that makes musicians artists um really talented people who they are often gives that you know the, the the gives them some other thing that makes it very difficult for them to exist in the world without demons without problems and without and this this by the way also applies to people who are not famous and who are not ultra talented and all these other things and i don't mean to discount that but in in the context of this conversation it is just it's such a it is a it is a reminder that so many of the great thinkers that we see are flawed for reasons that directly contribute to the thing that makes them great. Well, I mean, you know, a, a lot of it can come down to, you know, childhood and background and the way you were raised and, you know, traumas that you experienced as, you know, in your formative years that you never really get past. And you, you right. see that with a lot of artists. But also, too, just I think in general, you know, when, when you, you said before, great thinkers and, and, you know, these artists who really see the world in elevated ways – you know, the, the upside to that is, you know, when you can channel that through creativity, you know, it, it creates great art of different types. But the downside is you have an elevated way of seeing the world and often how intense the world can Hard be. Turn that and off. How unforgiving the world off. can be. And, you know, how sometimes how rotten the world can seem. The thought that I had that, you know, came to mind with, with, with Bourdain and the news of that suicide is just – like at a time when the world is literally growing more divided, you know, I mean, in the, I don't mean just America. I mean, worldwide, sure. there, there are divisions that keep growing. You know, to have the type of storyteller and voice like Anthony Bourdain, who made a goal of having people be exposed to different cultures, but also appreciate them. Like the idea of taking something that is foreign and... You go past the step of just, okay, I'll no longer be afraid of it, but you actually appreciate it for being different than what you know. Mm -hmm. That's a great loss. I, I especially I'll take step this, one. Step two is even better. I'll, take, I'll just take the first step. I'm, but, no, longer, right. I'm no longer afraid right. of it is a massive – It is, but, but to even go a step further, you know, particularly at a time like right now, it would have been it been a loss at any time, but right now it's truly a big loss. Um, so obviously, you know, it's just sad. You know, there's the Kate Spade news, all kinds of stuff. So, um, uh, we're, like, we were both very big fans of Anthony. Yes, Bourdain's very much so. Um, so that is, I guess, is a bit of a downer way to end the podcast, but definitely something that I've been thinking about. I know you've been thinking about as well. Um, hopefully, there will not be more of this kind of news going forward. Get back to happier things to wrap up podcasts with next week uh, more free agency getting close to the draft uh, maybe we'll bring in some folks to talk about that and we'll see everybody next time